0: All right, folks, we see you are all joining us now on our Facebook Live. Chase Hal, Vinay Simlot, with you on the Buff Stampede post-game football podcast. A disappointing loss for the Buffaloes to Utah. They lose 38 to 21. Sam Neuer, 16 for 34, 258 yards, two touchdown, an interception, and a fumble. Jarek Broussard, his first time this season, not getting over 100 yards, 14 rushes for 80 yards. His longest today was 18 yards. And Chase, your quick reactions to this game?
1: Roussard almost had 100 all-purpose yards. He had 16 receiving yards, which would have almost given him the 100 mark again. Uh, immediate reactions, well, they lost. Um, I, I, I don't have much more to say in terms of an immediate reaction. Obviously, we'll get deeper into this game, but they lost. Utah was the better team. They played better today. I see you had a few chances t- to get back into that game. Obviously, the big score by Brendan Rice seems like seemed like they had all the momentum to start the second half, but uh, that all went away really quickly. I, I mean, you you have to talk about Nate Landman going out in that second quarter. It seemed like kind of the turning point of the game. I know they made a couple plays after that, um, or Brendan Rice, maybe I should say, made a couple plays after that, but. Um, Yeah, that seemed to be the turning point. Once he went out, the defense just looked completely different.
0: Yeah, so let me tell you how the drives went after um, Nate Landman went out because um, there was a, a field goal at the end of the first half, then two touchdowns in a row. They turn over on downs deep in Colorado territory, then field goal, touchdown, field goal to end the game. Colorado wasn't able to stop them after that.
1: Yeah, especially the run game. I know they they showed the uh, – I'm trying to find it, but the yards per carry after – or in the second half at least, and it, it was a completely different number than Utah's yards per carry in the first half. Um, obviously, that has a lot to do with Nate Landman. He's been great in the run game all season long. Uh, kind of like the announcers alluded to this as well, that uh, they CU sets up their defense – to work to Nate Lamb strengths. And so obviously when he goes out, it's just a completely different defense. And um, they were able to run the ball a lot better in the second half. Uh, They continued to throw the ball well in the second half and, and they just were the better team down the stretch.
0: So if you are listening to us, watching us on Facebook live, we want to hear what you think, what you thought about Colorado's loss why they lost. And if you're listening to us on the Buff Stampede podcast, listen to us wherever you can um, on Spotify, on Apple podcasts and all those other places. Robert is with us on Facebook live and Robert says the Buffs didn't play so well, but those refs were a disgrace. Zero penalties against Utah, but how many against CU? This is getting old. Well, let me tell you, I can tell you how many against CU. (sighs) There were, Four penalties for 35 yards against CU. No penalties for no yards against Arizona. Were they just that much more of a disciplined team today?
1: Yeah, so Utah did get called for two penalties. um, Two penalties that CU declined. One on the big catch. uh, That was called for pass interference. The Big catch by Vontae. um, And then another one on that free play offside where Sam uh, slung it to Maurice Bell for the touchdown. So they did call two penalties on Utah. Um, not two penalties that were accepted, and they ended up with zero penalty yards. I, I, I don't want to speculate too much on who was the more disciplined team, uh, but you got to <laughs> know, we know the history of Pac-12 refs. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, maybe is the right way to say it, if there was a little bit of a message, because we know Pac- the Pac-12 didn't want you to win this game, because if they did, they would have gotten torn apart by the national media. Uh, a lot of the national media was already talking about it before this game on um if they w- weren't going to let see you into the pac 12 championship so that there's you could definitely
0: build okay. okay. there but i'm not going to spew it uh on the
1: podcast
0: okay um yeah i'm not going to go there i don't think that the pac 12 refs i don't think uh woody dixon or whoever that is called them and said hey look here's the deal the Buffaloes, we're going to get hammered in the national media. So why don't you, why don't you just go ahead and not call any penalties on Utah? How's that sound? Maybe I don't think be a, be a little bit more possible. Renewed. I don't know any self-respecting referee that would be okay with that. Then you don't know PAC 12 refs very well. Cause they're not very
1: uh, self-respecting. The other one that was a little bit questionable was that fumble early on by Sam Neuer. Um, that didn't even go to review, but the replay showed that he was still controlling it down to the ground. Uh, I don't know if that, I don't want to say that wasn't a fumble, but I'm not convinced it was a fumble. Well, if you're, if you never went to replay, so if how you're does Carl
0: that Durrell, why not, why not make them review it? Call a timeout because all
1: turnovers it. are reviewed in college football. So they have to review it. So, so clear, I guess the replay saw, saw
0: enough to make it uh, not worth going into review for. Yeah. So, I guess if, if from upstairs, it looked like the ball was out, it looked to me like the ball was out too, because he had been spun around and then the ball was dislodged. All right, let's talk through this more. Um, I, let's talk through this more chronologically. So the Buffaloes start off, they punt twice and then Sam Neuer fumbles. Luckily for the Buffaloes. though, Utah did not score aside from the first drive in the first half until the very end in that uh, that field goal drive. So the Buffaloes did a nice job defensively when Nate Landman was still in the game.
1: Definitely, yeah, and, and they were stuffing the run. Utah couldn't get anything going in their run game. Um, they were still able to hit Brit, that Britton Covey. Man, that guy is good. Uh, they were still able to hit him a few times in the passing game. Um, They're still throwing the football pretty well, Utah was, in the first half, but it was that run game that they were just stuffing pretty much the entire first half. That had a lot to do with Nate Landman. Uh, yeah, great defense all around in the first half. It just seemed like once he went out, the, the game completely changed.
0: Yeah. So in the first half, Colorado gave up just 171 yards total to Utah. They gave up 47 rushing yards. 47. Remember that number because in the second half, Utah gave Utah ran for 145 yards and they got 261 yards of total offense. They, I mean, it's like a night and day switch that went on between the first and second half where the Buffaloes, without Nate Landman, seemed like they couldn't do anything defensively.
1: Yeah, they're just a completely different football team. And obviously, Nate makes a huge impact as a player, but I also do believe that they kind of build the defense around his strengths. And so when you throw in a linebacker that doesn't really exactly have... Uh, Nate Strengths and John Van too, who isn't as much of a sure tackler as Nate is, I think it just it completely rips apart your defense.
0: And yeah, they had no answer. Yeah, and they, your they, they go go ahead. They they had they they had trouble tackling. As, like as soon as Nate Landman went out, it seemed like nobody could make a tackle. I mean, the quarterback would be breaking three or four tackles. On uh, did you see that there was that twenty yard run or something on third down? Yeah, where he broke three or four tackles oh, in no, the backfield no. and then two more um, as he was running the ball. So it seemed like the defense just couldn't do anything after Nate Landman was gone, even in the first half when it wasn't just him making all the tackles.
1: Yeah, definitely they they missed a lot of tackles out there, and a part of that might have been just because it looked a little slippery. You can't move laterally as well, so when you're going to make the tackle. You kind of have to run right at them, and, and that seemed to be a big part of why they were missing so much. I don't fully understand the field, like what the whole idea was about that. Because you go to um, a team like Nebraska, who played this morning at 10 a.m., who had very similar weather, com- snow completely covered, and that field was completely clean. It looked like a <laughs> pure grass field they they probably had
0: a tarp over their field did you see? i know no
1: no they had a video of them clearing the snow off of it oh really and i'm not sure what type of grass they use so this might be too deep but um i think there had to have been something i don't know if they came from the coaches or whatever but they didn't want field maintenance to completely clear the field we knew the snow was coming in all of that um so they thought that they could use that to their advantage obviously that didn't work out so you wasn't able to run the ball very well um so so that whole idea was a little bit weird, but yeah, I just think the field was really slippery, which didn't help them making tackles. Um, It didn't seem to hurt Utah as much, Uh, but yeah, obviously the weather definitely played a factor.
0: The weather played a factor for one team and not the other. And we saw it on offense too, for Colorado with the dropped passes. Um, I mean, it it seemed like Neuer would throw them right to the guy and they would drop them. Jarek Broussard had a couple. Arias had a couple, um, Levante Chennault had one, maybe, you know, it, it just seemed like he was throwing these passes on target and they would drop them aside from the interception and the fumble. I was ready to come on here and tell you that I thought Neuer had a good game.
1: Yeah, I thought he did play a good game up until he got hurt um, when he got slammed to the ground and hurt his shoulder. I think he had eight straight incompletions once he returned to the game. Yeah, um, So his numbers so would have looked a, a, a little bit different uh, had he not gotten slammed to the ground but um yeah i thought he played a very good game overall the passing game got going early um he started slinging it down the field a little bit more we saw some uh, longer pass plays than we we've really seen all season long um it, and most of his incompletions weren't really his fault you, you kind of i was looking at the targets um all around there were 36 targets 18 completions and a lot of them <laughs> a lot were, of them were uh, drops or drops yep
0: Yeah. So, (laughs) Jarek Broussard, only 14 attempts rushing today. We're sticking with the offense, 80 yards total. Do you think they came out first two passes right off the bat? First two plays right off the bat were passes. They came out looking to pass the ball today. They weren't looking for Jarek Broussard.
1: Yeah, to me, um, the way that they called plays early, well, I called it a galaxy brain chef, but um, uh, on Twitter, but uh, what it looked like to me was they wanted to establish the pass in order to run. They wanted to open up running lanes for Jarek later in the game, um, which didn't end up coming to fruition, mostly because they were down uh, in the second half for most of the second half. Uh, so they couldn't run the ball, but that's what it looked like to me is they knew that Utah wanted to stack the box, slow down, see run game. So the game plan going in was open up the pass early and that'll hope, hopefully open up some run running lanes for uh, Jarek later in the game.
0: Yeah. um, Which
1: um, overall though, by the, while we're on this topic, I thought Jarek played pretty well. Um, I don't think it was anything that Jarek was doing. He didn't have the same holes uh, that he's had most of this season Um, and and what he was able to do on 14 carries. He ended up uh, 5.7 yards per carry. That's still pretty good, especially for the holes um that we saw today they're
0: just it wasn't like running up against that Arizona defense no not at all and Jarek Broussard you know we we talk about this we talk about Chev's decision making I personally would have liked to see him establish the run why go away from something that served you so well over the past four games
1: yeah especially early on in those drives um was it the first or second drive they had where they uh, threw the ball on first and second down and then they ended up on third and long third and yeah. 12 or something like that. And then you have to throw the ball. So now you've completely taken uh, Jarek out of that drive. Whereas if you, if you at least run it once on first or second down, you might be in a better situation, a third and seven situation, third and six, even if you're not running the ball well. Um, so you definitely want to try to run the ball early on downs just because they had so many third and long situations. Uh, what what was the, speaking of third downs, I'd like to know the numbers on third down conversion because Utah seemed to be getting all theirs and CU couldn't get a single one.
0: Well, is, uh, the, the numbers don't yeah. really tell the same, the same yeah. story because Utah was six for 15 on third down. So Buffalo's were eight for 16. So the Buffalo's were better on third down than Utah was. Yeah.
1: That's interesting. That's not how the game felt. And maybe no. uh, a lot of that was the second half from Utah. they, did seem to get a few third down stops yeah i I thought that they were able to get what they wanted on third down especially when they they would just run a, a play to get Kovey open and that man is a really really good slot receiver he's hard to stop um, so he's a great third down target also that Brant kuthie third tight end yeah um, he's a he's another great third down target so they would I thought they were very hard to stop on third down especially early on in that game but th- I guess the numbers didn't bear that up
0: and at the beginning of the season, you would see Brady Russell be that kind of third down receiver that um, Colorado could could rely on. But C.J. Schmansky is not Brady Russell, and he had two targets today. I think he dropped two passes.
1: Yeah, I, I know one off the top of my head, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he ended up with zero catches. None of the tight ends actually um, looks like had a catch today Matt Lynch did. was
0: back today too and he had two targets and didn't catch anything either.
1: Yeah and he had one big drop. That one might have come on third down too. Um but he had one big drop that uh should have been caught as well. So yeah the tight ends didn't play well obviously it would have helped to have Brady Russell in there but that's kind of been the story of most of the season ever since Brady went out.
0: All right so we've talked through the offense a little bit. We've talked through the defense now let's talk the turning point for Colorado, and I know you and I agree on this, that the turning point to this game was in at the end of the second half when Jarek Broussard coughs up the ball. On the Fox broadcast, they were saying that, that was the, the Colorado coaching staff should have just taken a knee at that point.
1: Yeah, and I'm trying to um, remember how the clock would have bared out because I, I do think they would have had to still punt, especially because Utah had three timeouts in hand at the time. Um, so if you're going to run the ball, just make sure you don't fumble. But well, J- Jerry Prassard said it earlier this week. He said ball security is job security. Um, and then well. he ends up coughing up a pretty big one that ended up being a, a 3 maybe even a 6- or 10-point swing had you been able to score on that drive. Probably not with the amount of time left there, but it it was a 3- or
0: 6-point swing just dropping that ball. So the ball gets fumbled. Utah takes over with 13 seconds left in the game at the Colorado 40-yard line, and they gain 15 yards in 13 seconds, and that's enough to kick a field goal. To me, the defense has to step up in that situation and stop them from gaining those 15 yards. You know what's at stake.
1: Yeah, exactly. Obviously, that would have been nice, but CU was giving them great field position all game long. Yeah, like every every drive started on the forty or the fifty uh, for Utah, and it and it becomes very hard to beat them
0: at that point. The only time uh, Utah started inside of their own twenty was that um, that play in the second quarter where um, the Utah player took it outside from the goal line and only got out to the 11 and then since then you know they 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 you know you you can read the drive chart Utah 40 Utah 45 Utah 43 Utah 42 Colorado 40 Utah 40 Utah 20 Utah 50 Utah 47 Utah 34 Colorado 18 Colorado 27
1: that's a lot of Utah 40 plus right there
0: yeah yeah so not great field position for Colorado but yeah, going back to that, that, that play that I was talking about, do you think Colorado should have taken a knee there?
1: Uh, so this was kind of a, a discussion we had last week because a, a similar situation happened at the end of the half against Arizona. Um, they ended up running the ball, I believe. They didn't take a knee uh, late in the second half or late in the first half against Arizona, right? I think they just no. ran the ball out there. Um, and what I was saying is you have the momentum, you're up in the game um, and you're going to get the ball to start the second half. Usually that's a pretty good um, indicator that you should just drain the clock and start the second half with the ball. Um, I don't mind them running it. It's just fumbling it. And yeah, I know that, that, that sounds easier said than done, but uh, just you it, just, ball security is so much more important in that situation. It's not like running a normal play. It's, it's almost like running plays, um, At the end of the fourth quarter, when you have a lead, you just have to take care of the football. That has to be the number one priority. Um, and, and obviously, Jarek just let it slip right there.
0: And, you know, you could use the cold weather as an excuse, but Utah also fumbled the ball three times, but they didn't lose any of them. So they held on to it. They and controlled so it the football. They only had, I think it was one turnover, which was the interception that, um, that, that, that um, Bentley threw. Yeah, Mackay Blackman Colorado wasn't able to convert off. on that.
1: Yeah, Makai Blackman picked that off. Yeah. Uh, seemed like I think it was a tipped ball by Bentley um, that basically ended up right in Blackman's hands. But yeah, the, I, I thought turnovers might be the difference in this game. Um, and, and that ended up to bear fruit, especially when you so it's points off of turnovers. Well, is, is that right? I'm looking at the stat sheet to, to so I guess they mean six points. Utah scored six points off of CU turnovers.
0: Uh, yes. And CU wasn't able to score any points off of the Utah turnovers. Correct. Um, and CU, we have to talk about offensively. After the first drive of the second half, they didn't score at all. Well, yeah. The, the offense
1: just went away from them, especially when you have such a, a run-heavy offense – you're going to want to run the football a lot, and when you're down in, in a football game, it's really hard to establish the run um, the way that they had been. Usually, if you're a good running football team, you want to have a lead throughout the game, um, and then you're able to ice the game in the second half. So that's a big reason for it. Um, and then, obviously, just I think Sam Noyer getting hurt
0: uh, did end, end up changing the so, fourth quarter, at least. So in the third quarter, the pivotal third quarter that I think – You and I can agree changed this game. You could say it's the end of the second quarter, moving into the third quarter. Colorado ran the ball three times for six yards.
1: Yeah, see, I think that that basically sums up uh, what for 18
0: yards. Sorry, 18 yards.
1: Yeah, that basically sums up what you was able to do on the run game. Um, I I believe it was one really big run by Jack Broussard. Uh, He didn't have much of a lane, but he bounced it outside. Uh, I believe that was the one big run in the third quarter. And when, you, when you're not able to run the football, when you're not even trying really to run the football, uh, it becomes really hard. They also didn't have the ball much. What was time of possession in the third
0: quarter? Because I think they had it for like a couple minutes. Yeah, they had the ball for three minutes and 55 seconds. Um, Utah had it for 11 minutes and five seconds.
1: Yeah, so hard to put up points or yards um, when you only
0: have the ball for three minutes. Well, they had a couple of three and outs in that third quarter. Um, The Buffaloes in the third quarter had the, had four possessions. One of them was the, um, the play to uh, the, the 61 yard touchdown. And then they had a three and out. They had two plays and an interception and then eight plays and a punt. So the Buffaloes didn't do much offensively uh, in the third quarter and that ends up being the turning
1: point of the game uh obviously utah got their running game going in the third quarter and and their offense looked much better <laughs> that's, yeah that's just what what happened in this game was the third quarter completely changed it
0: and utah had the ball three times in the third quarter they go touchdown touchdown turnover on downs deep in colorado territory so that t- three,
1: three long sustained drives really uh yeah Maybe their first one was a couple of big runs um, and they scored pretty quickly. But other than that, it was some long sustained drives. And, and that's how you win football games.
0: So if you are watching us, if you are along with us on Facebook live, we want to hear from you sound off on this Buffalo's loss to the Utah Utes. Shane says, why pass on second and six inside the 40 with the game on the line run, run, run. I still have the sign in front of me. <laughs> run the damn ball that's what chase said this morning
1: uh yeah i mean i i couldn't agree more uh when you have a guy like jarek broussard it just didn't seem like they're very confident in him that's a that's a running situation right there second and six um and then in some situations where they would have a big play off the run game they went back to it or they would go to joe joe davis what was that was that in the third quarter um, they yeah. had that big jarek broussard run play and then they just went to check, to Joe Davis right after. It's was like,
0: Broussard tired, or the, did they just pull him out for Joe I, Davis? I think he goes
1: out after big run plays. I think that's just normal uh, protocol or, or whatever you want to call it, just to, to get a quick breather. But if you're going to put in Joe Davis, I don't know why you run the ball. That's a great time to take a shot right there, uh, yeah. right after a big run play. So, uh, um, it, it was, I mean, Chev didn't have his best game. I don't think it was terrible. I, I do think they were able to move the football, especially in the first half. Um, but yeah, Chev definitely didn't have his best game. It was more game management and understanding, uh, when you should run, when you should pass, um, or like the third down, what was it? Third and six, third and seven, when they called the Sam Neuer QB power play. Yeah. um, Which didn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. I don't know what they were trying to do. didn't make sense to me either. Maybe, maybe set up a fourth down to go for it is what I was thinking, but even there, it wouldn't have made much sense. Or they were trying to set up a field goal, get better in the field goal range. Um, Cause they were right there on the edge of field goal range. I'm not sure what, what the thinking was behind that, but there were a lot of play calls where it was like, I'm, I'm not sure what that was. I do think they had a pretty good game plan going in. I do like what they were able to do in the first half. It just went completely away from them in the second half.
0: Um. One positive that I do want to, and and let me just touch on one thing that Robert who's joining us said, Robert said we should have been run heavy, but it would have been nice to see Folsom field be cleaned up and see what he could do. You know what Folsom field and how it looks is way past my level of knowledge. So I don't know um, what the deal is with that. You you know,
1: I wasn't even upset about it until I saw the Nebraska field. And I was like, wait, (laughs)
0: they,
1: they were thinking about something here. Um, Because they could have put a tarp down. They knew the snow was coming. They could have put a tarp down last night or yesterday. They don't have a
0: tarp. They don't have a tarp here.
1: They they don't have a tarp at all.
0: No, Um, that's what according to the CU Buffs grounds crew Twitter account, they don't have a they don't have a tarp here. So they so could they have laid down a bunch of uh, blankets. uh,
1: melt or blankets yeah i don't know if they could have i think they could have done something and I, I to me it just looked like they didn't mind having an ICR field today um they thought that might play into their strengths and that just ended up not working that's what it whether... looked like to me but like you said not our expertise
0: no but you know uh, the one thing we are experts at or we try to be is we we, we both love playing golf we both love um, uh, going out to the golf course. And this week I was at the golf course and the ground is in Boulder is just so cold and so hard. It was like you were hitting golf balls on the pavement. So maybe this ground that they have at Folsom field, I don't know if they have heaters underneath the field, but maybe that's why it's just hard to get the snow up. Cause there's just so much, it's just so cold. It's hard to get the ice off. Whereas maybe in Nebraska, it's been warm and cold or whatever.
1: Yeah, a, a warmer ground. I, I thought CU does have some heaters under there, but I don't. I don't want to speculate too much because I don't.
0: Yeah, we need. I to, don't know for sure. We need to. We need to get an interview with the uh, CU Buffs, um, field uh, maintenance crew. Yeah, CU Buffs field and turf.
1: I, I like them on Twitter. They do a good job.
0: But if if there's one positive we can count on in this game is um, this seemed like it was the Brendan Rice come out game have yourself a game. He had one catch for 61 yards, but then he also had that big punt return that he took back for the touchdown.
1: Yeah. Great game from Brendan Rice. And obviously it's under the national spotlight. So it gets people talking about CU. It's very cool, obviously, that he's uh, the son of Jerry, although I know he doesn't like to be that to be talked about too much because he is his own person, (laughs) Brendan Rice. Yeah, we don't want to We don't want
0: to just call him Jerry's son. When you're in
1: a national spotlight type of game, it helps to build storylines around CU. And and it's going to be a reason why national people tune in to CU games is because
0: Brendan Rice is on the team. Another receiver that I thought had a good game was Daniel Arias. Uh, He had two catches for 33 yards. He looked like he had a couple of drops, but when he caught the ball, he was making some good plays.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Everybody had drops. So I, I don't think we can get too mad at any individual um, in that receiving or tight end core about the drops, but yeah, he, he was able to make a few plays. Um, he got some more time and also credit to Maurice Bell, who had a great game uh, today, especially early on. Um, so those guys are starting to play a little bit. We we've talked a lot about who the best wide receivers are on this team. Yeah. Um, and we kept saying Demetri Stanley, Dimitri Stanley. Well, he doesn't even really get the ball much today again. <laughs> no.
0: Um, but they were able to feed some of their other guys. Dimitri Stanley had one catch for three yards. Maurice Bell, who you just mentioned, had four catches for 46 yards. KD Nixon, three for 52. Levante Chenault also had three catches for 52 yards. So, uh, I mean, all over the place, I think it was a pretty good game for the receiving crew yeah, besides yeah. the drops.
1: I think so. Yeah. They were able to throw the ball very well in, in another shout out. I said, everybody on the receiving core, I was wrong about that. Maurice bell had four targets, four catches. So he did yeah. not have a drop tonight. <laughs> um, he caught everything that came his way. So credit to him. Um, on the Dimitri Stanley topic, he had two targets, one catch. And that other target uh, was a pretty clear pass interference. So he didn't have a drop uh, tonight either today. Uh, and there's another slide at the refs. I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to take a few shots today. Pretty clear uh, pass interference on, on that slant uh, to Dimitri where the DB had his arm wrapped around him and Dimitri wasn't. Yes.
0: There. I do know the play you're referring to. You know, I thought that could have been could have thrown the flag on that one. Um, we've Remember. got some more comments coming in from those of you on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Um, if you started drinking when chase told you to, uh you're probably having a much better day than the rest of us because this is the type of game where you don't want to watch it sober. Robert says, we need industrial-grade hair dryers for the turf hair, a.k.a. the grass on the field. I I couldn't agree more. And I hate to give credit to Nebraska,
1: but everybody go watch the Nebraska Twitter video that I saw earlier of them clearing the field. That's
0: what the field should have looked like today, and I don't know why it looked the way it did. Okay, um, let's go back to um, what we thought would happen in this game. I know, Chase, you chose CU to lose this game uh, on our official Buff Stampede score predictions, but really I kind of got the feeling that this was not going to be a game that CU won.
1: Yeah, my first prediction I've gotten right all season, so that's
0: (laughs) some huge news. Uh,
1: But, yeah, I mean, even if I was predicting it – I. I mean, I think a lot of people assume that it was a bit that I keep on picking against CU, and it was working, and it was partly a bit, but I think if I was taking it serious, and um, I even talked about this uh, because I do the stuff for Denver sports betting, and I talked about gambling on this game, and it it was a pretty even game on the betting line, and I said I don't feel comfortable uh, taking the buffs in this game. Uh, I did like the under, which ended up to be terrible, uh, mostly because Nate Landman went out, but – I never felt comfortable about the Buffs winning this game. Just with everything that happened during the week, Utah always causing them problems, Utah being a very tough matchup for this team um, because I knew there'd be some difficulty running the football. And uh, yeah, just everything kind of added up to, I didn't feel comfortable that CU was going to be able to win this game. I still had hope. Um, I still thought they they could do it. And definitely even during that game, especially when Brendan Rice takes that that, uh, catch all the way to the house early on in the second half, I actually believed that they were going to win that game, but there were a lot of uh, factors heading into this one that I just, I wasn't sure
0: about CU in this one. So Carl Durrell said one of the, this is, um, these are quotes I'm getting from the press conference that's going on right now. Carl Durrell said the main issue today was on defense. The defense kept missing tackles, which he said hasn't been a problem before. And it, to me, it wasn't really a problem until Nate Landman left. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice them missing too many tackles in the first half, um,
1: but they did definitely missed a lot in the second half. And uh, when you have such a sure tackler like Nate Landman, who I think uh, one of the underrated parts about him is he helps clean up a lot of tackles. He's there on the assist a lot. Um, and so I think he makes a lot of other guys look good as well. Um, I think when you take somebody out like him, it's going to look like you're missing a lot of tackles. Even last week, though, early on, when Arizona was able to run the ball well, they were missing a lot of tackles. And, and part of that reason was Akil Jones. These two inside linebackers yeah. have been so good uh, for this, this CU team all season long, especially when they play together um, because they have been such sure tacklers and they
0: that the, the rest of the defense missed a lot of tackles in that second half. Um, Akil Jones again. Um, he had a great game today, his first game as a father. So congratulations to him. He had 10 total tackles, three solo two tackles for loss and one QB hurry. I thought he had a good game.
1: Yeah, a very good game, and he's been good all season long when he's been able to play. Um, obviously, two tackles for loss today. Uh, just looked like he's back to being his normal self. I think he got hurt for a, a bit. He was out for a few plays, but he ended up coming back in, um, and yeah, he's been really good. I think most of the linebacking core has been really good this year, but when you take out a guy like Nate, it just puts so much more emphasis on, on my big. Guys
0: my big issue with the defense today and, and Carl Durrell said that it's the missed tackles to me. It's when you have a linebacker or a defensive end trying to tackle the quarterback, that should be an easy tackle. Like Mm -hmm. they shouldn't, if they get two hands on him, the quarterback should come down. And we didn't see that for most of the game today for most of the second half, at least. Yeah. You had big, uh, 330 pound Janaz Jordan up the
1: middle or had a clean shot on Bentley. Yeah. Um, so those type, yeah, I, I just totally wiggles agree. free. He, he looked like he was very dis- difficult to tackle. I don't know if you put a bunch of snow on his uniform, put some of that slippery stuff, some grease. I don't know what to put <laughs> on his uniform. Um, get some stick-em like, on all these guys. Come on. <laughs> he looked like he was very difficult to bring down. Um, they were able to get pressure
0: on him. It felt like Uh they were able to get into his face, but they rarely brought him down. <laughs> um, Carl Durrell... Uh, today said in the press conference about Sam Neuer that he's been dealing with a sore shoulder for most of the season and he heard it on that run that knocked him out for a bit but the trainers say that Neuer is doing okay
1: that's good to hear uh, I'm not surprised that he's been dealing with a sore shoulder when you run the football as much as he has this year and you run it as aggressively as he has this year uh, you're gonna end up being pretty banged up I don't know. Would you have liked to see Tyler stay in that game with a banged up Sam Noyer? I know he, Tyler was just two for five, but it did look like he was doing a couple good things. Um, well, so I, I say he was two for five, but when he came in, he actually completed a couple passes. He ended up being two for five because he came in late in that game um, yeah. when the game was already out of hand. But I thought Tyler looked all right um, and bringing in an injured Sam Noyer where he couldn't really do much didn't make all that much sense. Uh, I think hindsight is twenty twenty though, in that situation.
0: Robert says, we have a quarterback named Brendan Lewis. He broke all sorts of records in the weight room, and I'm excited to see him play. Kind of hoped he would go in when Neuer came out. What did you think?
1: Uh, I mean, I trust the coaching staff way more than (laughs) I trust my own uh, thoughts on that just because I haven't been at practice. I don't know how well Brendan has picked up the system. I haven't seen him at all. Um, I know he has all the talent in the world, and I do think he's going to be a great quarterback, but I'll trust the coaching staff that they believe Tyler is more ready in that situation than Brent.
0: Yeah. Um, They said at the beginning of the season that, that Tyler Lytle and Sam Neuer were both kind of head and shoulders past Brendan Lewis. He's not ready to play quarterback yet. And that's not saying that he won't be ever, but Mm -hmm. just this season, he needs some time to grow and maybe, maybe they're not ready for him to do that yet.
1: Yeah. And it's a, a year that doesn't count against eligibility, so it's sort of a redshirt year for Brendan. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't didn't see any reason to bring him in. That, that's a very high pressure situation to be making your debut as well. At least <laughs> yeah. Tyler has played in some games and he's a little bit more comfortable going in into a situation like that.
0: If you are watching along with us on Facebook Live, sound off. Let us know how you feel. I know you don't want to. It's not as much fun today because the Buffalo's lost. It's like listening to us break down this game might be like pulling teeth for some of you uh, Buffs fans. But we're doing our best here to keep it light, keep it uh, enjoyable for you, and let us know what you think. Also, let us know your traditions for how you get over a bad loss like this one. You know, this is a tough loss. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> Drinking.
1: <laughs> That's easy. Yeah. yeah. Or, or maybe some of your other vices that people tend
0: to enjoy. Yeah. What else do people do? Um, is this one of those games, you know, after, after a bad loss, I just, um, when I'm a fan, when I'm watching a game as a fan, I just go to sleep after that. I'm like, done, get me out of here.
1: That's usually pretty easy to do for a night game, but what do you do when, when you have a 10 a.m. game and the game ends at what? 1:30? I,
0: you know, I'm ready for a nap right now.
1: It, yeah. You, just, you had an early morning. You had to get to the stadium early just um, get a yeah I, I think that's a pretty good idea i'm going to watch a bunch of football and basketball it's a great day for college sports um so i'm going to try to enjoy that i have a bunch of bets to sweat out and watch um so i'm sure i'll be fully entrenched in that and by the time i lose a few bets i'll be over the bus losing cuz i'll be more worried about my <laughs> bank account
0: okay there you go uh, lose something that matters more to you than the buffaloes is that good is that good, which is is that good advice yeah, that's great to, advice. To, hey, folks, if you, if you want to get over a Buffs <laughs> loss, just give money away.
1: <laughs> just can't, can't gamble <laughs> your whole bank account away. It, it'll be, you'll be more worried about your bank account than the Buffs. You'll forget about the Buffs in no time.
0: Robert says, um, sometimes I think about drinking like a rowdy Soviet Russian. Yep, there, there you go, on. Robert. That's the spirit.
1: <laughs> Some vodka or something.
0: Yeah. Uh, keep Keep letting us know your thoughts in the comments below. Um, we'd love to hear what you think, but Chase, you know, this throws a little wrench in the plans of Buffalo's fans, because if the Buffalo's would have won this game, then you could have an argument that yes, the Buffalo's should be in the pack 12 tournament, but that doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. You
1: keep saying tournament. I think it's like Pac-12 saying saying championship.
0: Excuse me. Uh,
1: yeah. I, I don't know if they'll be able to make much of a case. There is a little bit of a stipulation that if one, so the Wazoo and Cal game already got canceled. Um, And so if one other game gets canceled, I believe one other PAC 12 game today, then they'll take the top two teams in the PAC 12, regardless of division. And I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I think CU having three wins and maybe some tiebreakers over Washington would put them, in it anyway. So see, it still has a chance for as weird as that sounds, but um, I'm a little bit more worried about finding a game next week. You have Cal and Wazoo that got canceled today. You have Oregon and UW that got canceled today. It's supposed to be a game against the North division team. You're supposed to have the South play the North um, in all of the matchups next week. And I don't know if any of the North teams are going to be ready to go. So, uh, I just, I'm just hoping that they're able to schedule something. It, it might have to be not. What about CSU? They're done for the season. Maybe
0: you just schedule CSU and have some fun with your last game. You know, that's um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting, it's um, an interesting take. And you know what? Um, that seems to me more likely than, than maybe not, I guess is. Yeah. Just cause there, there might not be North teams to play. They're with. here and there's a scenario where you could make it work. And you know Rick George has been thinking about these types of things because he really wants to play games. You saw him do it with San Diego State. Maybe he does it with Colorado State too.
1: Yeah, and maybe and well, the Pac-12 might not allow it, but at least in this situation, the CU probably wouldn't care um, about going to Fort Collins. No, but uh, the Pac-12 might not allow it because I know they're only allowing non-conference home games. Uh, but I think that that's definitely in the cards with how many games yeah. in the
0: north are canceled today. Because I don't know if they'll be able to play next week. So Washington and Oregon got canceled today. Um, Washington is three and one in the conference right now. Oregon is three and two. The Buffaloes are also three and one in the conference, and um, they're two and one at home, two and zero oh away, one and zero oh in the conference away. So I don't know exactly what the tiebreaker would be between Colorado and Oregon, or in Washington, to decide who goes to the championship.
1: At least for right now, and this could change on Tuesday, but I know one of the tiebreakers, if, if a lot of the division stuff and the head-to-head is still tied, one of them is the ranking in the college football playoff, which obviously right. C would have. I don't know if that changes on Tuesday when C.U. is going to be out of the top 25, um, but, but Washington
0: won't be in the top 25. Obviously. You know, Brian Brian Howell was talking about this during the week. He said that they're going to use the ranking from this week when they decide. They're okay. not going to wait till the – the college football playoff for next week, and he called the Pac-12 to confirm this. I'm pretty sure I'm getting Brian's reporting right, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But I think they're going to use the ranking from this week, so Colorado might have a leg up and get the chance to play in the Pac-12 tournament if the number of games goes down below the average or whatever.
1: Yeah, so it'd have to be one more Pac-12 game getting canceled, and obviously yeah. you don't want to see um, people get covid Uh, so I, am not going to be rooting for a game to be canceled today, but that's just something to keep in mind that if one does, there's a chance that CU has the tiebreakers over Washington, um, which would put them in the Pac-12 title game next week. And
0: USC and UCLA are playing tonight in the Saturday night football game. That's the one that's on ABC with our forever buff, Chris Fowler, um, at the game. I, I think
1: Chris, at least from what I saw earlier on Instagram, he's calling, uh, He's calling Miami, North
0: Carolina. Oh, that's a bummer. Okay. So I, I don't know who has that game on ABC. Okay. But it is on ABC tonight at 7 uh, Eastern, 5 o'clock here, Mountain Time. Um, so even if USC loses the, the Buffalo, they would still have more conference wins than Colorado would. So they, th- there's not a question of who gets to represent the South. Correct. Yeah. USC has won the South. That that's
1: clear. I think even if they they lose, uh, but the stipulation is if they drop below the average, they'll take the two top teams in the conference, regardless of division. And in that scenario, CU might, might have the tiebreaker against UW. At least we believe it right now to be the case.
0: How about bowl games? What are we thinking?
1: Yeah. So it's very interesting. Rose Bowl got canceled or might get canceled, which Rose Bowl was college football playoff anyways this year, I believe. I, I went back and looked because sometimes they do They do two Rose Bowls. Even if it is college football playoff, they'll do another one. Looks like they just have the one this year. So uh, Pac-12 team isn't automatically going to go to the Rose Bowl. Pac-12 team will go to one of the NY6 Bowls, um, which is likely the Fiesta Bowl. And then you would have the second-best Pac-12 team, which, like we are just saying, could still be Colorado, either an NY6 will take them or they go and play in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, if, they, if, let's say, UW or Oregon gets selected for the Alamo Bowl, then CU is in an interesting situation. Uh, I know there's a few bowls left, but there aren't that many left. Uh, one of them is the Armed Forces Bowl in Fort Worth. Another one is the... Uh, Shreveport, Louisiana Bowl, which I'm drawing a blank on, which would be a terrible um, bowl to play in, but yeah, it, there's still a lot of options there. What we- do you have against right next- Shreveport, Louisiana next week? I've heard it's a terrible place to be. um
0: I might want to <laughs> go. I know from- people who are from Shreveport; they like it. Really? Okay. Yeah. Hey,
1: I'm in because I I like that type of food. I'm I'm with Coach Rod. We'd be. We'd be going. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Jumbo. it's Cajun
0: food in Shreveport. Really? Just, yeah.
1: Because you're not cl- cl- close enough to the Gulf. You're not in like the New Orleans area. I, I don't know. I, I don't envision think so. most of Louisiana has good Cajun food. <laughs> okay. The, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, jumb- jambalaya and gumbo. That's all I know. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but bowls are still I will probably talk about this a lot more next week just because uh, they do have one more week to play. Hopefully it's against the North team. Maybe they schedule a non-conference game if no North teams are available, but they do have one more game to play. So uh, we'll worry about that next week.
0: Yeah. OK, um, I guess there is not a lot to worry about. Hey, uh, Robert says he's got one positive thing about today. He got a paycheck. But he said today is still a bummer. Hey, spend that paycheck on some gambling. Oh,
1: yeah. If you're going to do <laughs> that, uh, but hey, please don't. I guess yeah, I, yeah, please,
0: please don't waste your money on gambling
1: unless you're Chase. Um, if you are, though, you can use the promo code uh, DSB250 on Bet Rivers to match your deposit up to $250.
0: Hey, n- no free ads on this, uh, Buffs <laughs> okay, Stampede no, no podcast. Um, just full disclosure, I have never gambled in my life. I am not a gambler, so I do not recommend it. But if you want to, then I guess Good you advice, do. Man. Yeah. Final thoughts on today's loss against Utah Chase. No, I don't have any. You think I have any, Vinay?
1: Um, we're on to next week. Let's see how the games play out today. We're on to next week. I Honestly, I'd rather play CSU than, than a North Division team. So we'll see how all of that goes. Um, but I guess my final thought is let's keep everything in perspective. The buffs are four and one, which is about <laughs> the opposite of what a lot of people expected going into this season. They've had an amazing season, um, no matter what happened today. So let's keep everything in perspective. This team is on the right trajectory. They're just going to keep getting better. seems like they have the right man at the helm. Um, so there's still a lot to be a positive about with this CU football team. Although today didn't go their
0: way. Yeah. um, I echo that, but I'm going to be more of a negative Nelly. This defense needs someone to step up aside from Nate Landman. And they proved today that without him, they can't play defense very well. They can't do the simple things like tackle. And so they need a week. They need to figure it out before next week. And maybe if we're on to next season, then before next season, what they're going to do without Nate Landman, because, um, he has been an outstanding player for the Buffaloes. And unfortunately it looks like they might not have him for a, a, a stretch because he was out in a walking boot and a, and a scooter today. I don't know if you saw that.
1: Yeah, they did show it a little bit on the broadcast.
0: yeah, uh, yeah so probably
1: likely just with where that walking boot was likely an ankle injury. I know there was already some media speculation that it was an ankle injury. Um, so we'll see, mm-hmm. I guess could be Achilles or something. Um, but, uh, we'll see what that is. Anything down
0: there, that part of the leg is usually not good. No. And, um, maybe, hopefully it's a high ankle sprain like, uh, Brady Russell has, but we'll see, um, what the deal is. Yeah.
1: Obviously that would still put him out probably for the rest of the season.
0: And my final takeaway, my final take (laughs) before we go, Robert says, how about we set up a game against Nebraska? (laughs) Let's do it. Uh, I don't know if the
1: Big Ten would allow that because Nebraska already tried to schedule a game. Um, they tried to get a freebie win against uh, Tennessee Chattanooga early <laughs> on the season, and the Big Ten did not allow that. Uh, so we'll see if, if the Big Ten uh, allows it. But um, I would be very happy to play a non-con game next week. I think it would be fun. Yeah.
0: And my final, final thought of this game is, if you could hold up the sign, please, Chase, for us. Run the damn ball.
1: Run the damn ball. I'm, gonna, I'm damn getting ball. hats. I'll have hats for, for uh, next week's show. I can promise you that. You'll have hats? Yeah, I ordered some hats. Let's right. say
0: run, run, run the damn ball. All right. <laughs> well, well, Chase and I will see you next week. Hopefully your day gets better from here. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Shane and everyone else for watching along with us here on Facebook Live. And Robert, cheers to you. Cheers to all of you CU fans. We're going to we're going to make this
1: a great day no matter what. Keep the season in perspective. T- yeah. Stay stay positive, test negative. There we go.